You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. All right. Well, welcome. Um, This is Kimberly Martin, and I am here to do my show, Real People OC. And I am, I'm in the studio today with two beautiful ladies, and I'm going to introduce them in a second. But if you're tuning in today, I just want to let you know you're listening to Real People OC, Kimberly Martin's um, Real People OC. We do, we feature people around Orange County, all of Orange County life. So we, um, we want to let you know that if you tune into our show regularly, We're here on Thursdays from 4 to 5. And um, having said that, you can can listen to us during that hour on Thursdays. But oftentimes, people want to listen to a show again. They want to grab some new information. They they heard a little tidbit. They want to hear it again. So we welcome you to find us on iTunes by searching under College Radio. You can stream us live by going to KUCI.com. Org. Um, there's all sorts of different ways you can find our information. You can go to my website, uh, Real People OC, and you can find um, some more information about our guests as well. So listen, um, about a year ago, I had some guests on the show for one of the, one of Orange County's foundations, and Orange County is a Orange County is an interesting place because we spend a lot of time raising money for special causes. And there's there's so many productive people here, and it's really funny to me that after they make a really good living by pursuing an interesting career, they, they also are very generous with their time. And it's one of the things that makes this place really special and uh, a very inviting place to be. So we, we featured the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America here at KUCI on Real People OC about a year ago. There was a walk they were having. And we've had them back because they're doing another special event, a bocce ball and live jazz uh, tournament, we'll call it, right? Invitational. And so it's a pretty shishy little event to attend. They always make these events fun to support. So we're going to talk today to um, some gals from Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. So I have in the studio with me today, Sabrina Ursay and Allison Miller. So ladies, Welcome. You. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, we we have a lot to talk about today because there were some things in the news that we are going to touch on today while we're here. We'll get to those a little bit later in the show. But for those of us who are out here that don't even know why we are spending the time on Crohn's and colitis, we need to give a little education. So let's take some time to delve into our notes and really, really educate everybody. I have a lot of questions. Um, and I know a lot of people out there listening do too, because it's very possible there's an undiagnosed case. Somebody needs to, you know, have some understanding of what's happening to them. I believe that this can come on at any time in life. It's not necessarily something that you are born with. Um, so there's a lot of information to share. So um, Sabrina and Allison are going to share with us. Let's let's go ahead and get started. Do you, do you, who wants to start? Who who wants to talk a little bit about? I can start. This okay. is Sabrina. All right, go ahead, Sabrina. Um, so first of all, just to kind of um, confirm you know what the terms mean basically as we were we're saying you know why are we spending time on Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis and what what are Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis um, first of all they're both under a category called inflammatory bowel disease or IBD um, different than IBS which you probably have heard of um, but IBD inflammatory bowel disease both of these diseases are under that category 
uh, Crohn's disease is um, inflammation and um, digestive issues basically that are from starting from anywhere from your mouth to the end of the line. Um, the you know, ulcerative colitis, however, is uh, mostly just affects the colon. Okay. So, um, and that's how you know which one you which one you have is based on on uh, on the distance traveled, if you will. Correct. Of, of the disorder, uh, the area okay. affected, the distance traveled, okay. and um, that can change throughout the course of someone's uh, experience or diagnosis. So that's why I think it's always um, difficult to diagnose. And sometimes the diagnosis changes from one to the other, or even is a diagnosis that is just undetermined. We know that you have Crohn's colitis, one of them. So we'll just call it Crohn's colitis or indeterminate or undetermined Crohn's colitis. Okay. Well, so let's talk about some of the symptoms people would experience because there might be people floating out there that have no idea what's happening, but there might also be people like me that just, you know, might have a tummy ache one day and then fear the worst. So let's shed some light on some of those symptoms. Allison, you can chime in at any time on that too. Okay, great. Um, Well, I actually have Crohn's disease, so I'm probably the good person to talk about uh, the symptoms on this. Um, the main ones that people don't want to talk about but are the ones that definitely are very, very troublesome. A lot of abdominal pain, a lot of times going to the bathroom. And these are topics people don't want to talk about. But, you know, people who are flaring, which means have an active disease process at the time, are in the bathroom sometimes 20 to 30 times a day going, um, you know, blood in their stool, Um, fissures and cuts and then just extreme abdominal pain to the point where you can barely stand up Um, a lot of nausea and then there are a whole host of other issues that come along with it in terms of um, symptoms you can have an intestinal blockage where for no reason at all not necessarily related to food your intestines swell up and nothing is coming through and you end up having so much pain that you need to go to the hospital and things like that how old were you? Well, first of all, Allison is this beautiful young lady. Both of these gals are beautiful young ladies. <laughs> so you'd never know it from looking at you that you suffer from anything that sounds as debilitating as what you just described. So how old were you when you discovered this? Um, I was 23 years old when I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I'm 33 now, and I have actually, kind of like Sabrina was explaining, my diagnosis has now been changed to Crohn's disease. So in the beginning, because these diseases work very similar to each other, um, it seemed like it was only infecting my colon, my large intestine, and um, I ended up having to have a surgery to remove my entire colon, and then after that I started having active disease in the rest of my digestive tract from my you know, throat all the way down to my small intestine. Okay, so looking back, well, did you when you look back, do you think to yourself, gee, I had this all along, and it just finally reached a critical mass of pain and symptoms that I was able to get a diagnosis? Or do you think this is something that came on suddenly? Definitely looking back, I see that it took a couple years. Probably once I started puberty, things started changing. I mean, at the time, I just thought, oh, I have a stomach ache. I'm kind of a type A personality. Oh, she just has a nervous stomach. And, you know, Think I would lose weight and for no reason, but it wasn't until I was 23 I went to a gastroenterologist because I had blood in my stool, and I think that for everyone is kind of a red, no pun intended, red flag yes. that something is very wrong, and that's when you actually go to get help. And it was a pretty, in my case, I'm very fortunate that once I went to the GI 
I had a quick diagnosis went through a colonoscopy. Okay. All right. Um, tell me about your symptoms as they were leading up to that. Well, I had just graduated college and was starting my career, and so I thought all the stomach pain I had was related to uh, too much stress or maybe I wasn't eating well. And so what was happening was that I would have such extreme pain and nausea that I wouldn't want to eat, so I was losing weight. But at the same time, I was still you know, going to the bathroom having you know, a number of loose stools a day, so much so that, you know, I was also having pain, you know, in the rectal area. Nobody wants to say that, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the blood started, I knew that thing and that it, the blood kind of comes with increased abdominal pain because your intestines are literally inflamed, so red and inflamed that anything, even water sometimes going through hurts. And and those symptoms just got worse and progressively worse as, to, as you know, the weeks went on. Okay. So we're talking about um, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. I'm fascinated because, I don't know, 20 years ago, I maybe met one person with this. Is this disease growing? Well, let's Sabrina. She knows a lot of the numbers. Sure. Um, definitely it, it is. Um, you know, at a time, we thought that there were about 30,000 new cases a year in the United States. Um, now we've realized that there are actually more than 70,000 new cases every year. Um, <clears throat> in terms of people that are diagnosed under the age of 18, um, that number has increased by almost 50% over the last decade. So it's either that we're becoming more aware of some of the symptoms and we are um, training, you know, doing our job, essentially training the healthcare professionals to better recognize the symptoms and be able to treat and diagnose. Um, or people are just talking about it more or realizing that they have those symptoms. Um, but I think a large part of it is, yes, something is triggering it to the symptoms to increase. Um, so more more cases diagnosed. Okay. So I definitely <coughs> want to talk about some of those thoughts that we might have about what's, what's triggering it. But before we do, let's get a, a better idea of the scope of of this disease before we talk about what we think, because probably some guesses and some science behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, how many, you said you said you've grown to, grown to 70,000 cases, but how many people really have this disease <clears throat> nationwide? Um, in the United States, there's about 1.4 million Americans who have it. Um, there are obviously millions more in Europe. Um, in Orange County alone, we know of 15,000 families that are affected. Wow. Um, but that's just that's what we know of. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge number. And you, you, <coughs> your, your foundation really serves those, um, those families really well. I mean, this, you serve Greater LA and Orange County through your chapter. But um, is there an age when we finally find this diagnosis? Uh, yes. Actually, teenagers, um, I would say from 18 to 35 is a range when most people first um, get diagnosed. Um, however, we have seen patients as young as three years old, five years old. Um, it's funny, there are still doctors. I mean, even for instance, my mother has ulcerative colitis. My younger brother has ulcerative colitis. Um, yet when I take my infant son in to see the doctor and ask about, you know, could this be a symptom of, you know, cause I'm just paranoid about it. Absolutely. 
I, I could see I could see you know, how you would be. It, right. You, it, you obviously You're constantly on alert. You know, could this be a symptom? Um, and I'm told by the doctor, you know, it's not a disease of infancy. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where um, you just you not just, everybody not everybody believes that it is, but it could be. It could be, know. and you just don't know. I mean, I have so many I have so many friends that are. Um, that are addressing now more than ever um, food allergies and the the stuff that they see among their children. I mean, moms are so hyper aware of their kids, and we know we know stuff, man. We don't even need a doctor right. to tell us; we just know it. And you know, the, some of the food allergies <coughs> that are really we're, we're starting to see. I mean, with just simple changes in diet, you can affect a huge outcome or, or moving over to a regimen that's um, increasing in good vegetables rather than lots of meat and dairy. It's just simple stuff. But um, our, our anecdotal information like this, I think is interesting. It's a really good place where science sometimes right. makes its start. Um, what's the buzz among the people in your group? I, I was so fascinated last time we did our interview with your group that there was some a few fairly, fairly simple things that maybe might be triggers. Well, I think um, I what I always tell people is that there are things, some things that may aggravate your Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, but in terms of food, there's probably not something that is causing your ulcerative colitis or Crohn's. Now, there are IBD patients who are also gluten intolerant and uh, lactose intolerant. So those are other issues that compound their disease. Is that consistent throughout everybody, though? Does everybody have the gluten intolerance? No, no? I, I don't have a gluten intolerance or a lactose intolerance. So and you... I've tried both um, just to see if um, those things might help my symptoms. Now, when you are in an active disease process in, in what we call a flare, they, we you know suggest going on what they call the brat diet, the bananas, rice, applesauce, toast. So basically, things that are very gentle on your system. The trouble that a lot of IBD patients run into is that, you know, we want to eat healthy. We want to have fruits and vegetables. However, those things are high in fiber. So when you have a very inflamed colon or um, small intestine, having a lot of fiber that pulls through there could be painful it, it, too. Um, actually aggravate your symptoms. So, you know, a lot of people are trying juicing and there are some other um, diets that people find success with. And you know what? That's great. And sometimes those things work and people stay on them for a long time. Sometimes they work for a while and then symptoms just happen, even though they've continued the same lifestyle, healthy lifestyle. Um, but I always think that things are alternative ways are also good to try in addition to anything that you're working on with your medical doctor and diet and exercise and making sure you're living a restful, healthy lifestyle. Okay. All right. Well, uh, when you say you have these flare ups, give me some idea of a typical, is it a day? Is it a week? Is it a month? Let's talk about how this disease affects your daily and weekly life. Um, well, for me and everybody is different with IBD. Um, my flare ups start to happen kind of slowly where I think, oh, one day, oh, I'm just not really feeling great. I Maybe, you know, I'm just having a, you know, a little off day. My stomach hurts or my intestines are especially gurgly or gassy. Um, and then over about a week or two's time, I start to realize, wait a second, this isn't just a little, you know, run of the mill thing. And um, by the two, three week mark, if I haven't addressed it or it hasn't been able to, you know, kind of back off on its own, which sometimes happens, um, I'm in increased pain. Um, I also suffer from IBD-related arthritis. 
So oh, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. Yes. Um, so my joints and everything also flare up when my intestine is flaring up. Well, let's um, talk about that a little bit. How did they link those two? I've never heard that before. Is that new? Um, no, it's not new. Um, a number of people with autoimmune diseases, which ulcerative colitis and Crohn's are, which is when your autoimmune system attacks itself. So other things like rheumatoid arthritis, MS, um, those other diseases are also autoimmune. So it is common, now not everybody has this, um, where what they call coupling. So you have your main autoimmune disease and then a number of people get what I call bonuses um, mm. where they get some other things coupled on. And so I think it's because they're all autoimmune responses. The doctors have for a while known that um, if your body is attacking itself in one way and then you're experiencing other symptoms, maybe not just traditional with your di diagnosed disease, that maybe you're having a coupling on top of it. So with me, my arthritis is very similar to rheumatoid arthritis, but it is definitely related to my Crohn's, which is my overarching okay. disease. All right. Now, so which medical specialty is treating you for your Crohn's disease? Um, I have a gastroenterologist. Okay. Um, and that's, she's my main primary for, um, you know, flare-ups with my Crohn's, managing the medication that I'm on. Um, but I also have a um, colorectal surgeon who I see because I have had a number of um, like resections or what did you? Um, I've had, well, I've had eight abdominal surgeries total. So the first was a total um, colectomy, which is where they removed my entire large intestine. And so that's uh, gone now. Gone, just gone. Gone, gone. Gone, gone, and and thankfully so because it was very diseased, and I'm here because they removed that. What would have been the eventual outcome for you had they not? Um, I probably would not be alive. So it would have led to a, a quick and untimely yes. death. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, people can sometimes have um, a perforation of the bowel if, when things get so inflamed. Then, and that's where I was heading. I'd done all sorts of medical intervention and drugs and medicine and all that, and nothing was helping put me in remission, and I just wasn't getting better. It's so strange to me. I mean, your disease progressed really fast because you don't hear that. I mean, don't do most people with Crohn's disease have a fairly normal life expectancy or or is that not the case? No, I think now, especially now that we have so many advances in medicine and treatment and also talking about these diseases, that people with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis live a definite normal life expectancy. Yes, there are things that happen. My case in, you know, I was 23 when I was diagnosed and I was 27 when things started going really south. Um, Five years isn't a long time no. to be living with a, a long-term, no. you know, illness. Um, which and, and my case is also one that I always like to say is not typical. <clears throat> things These things do happen. And yes, people with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis um, have to have surgery sometimes. But there are people out there who have mild cases that, you know, they're able to manage through um, medication or diet. And sometimes they have flare-ups where, you know, a couple weeks, a month at a time. And that's how my disease was prior to the five, that getting to that five-year mark. I would have a flare-up once a year around Christmas. Um, and then I was able to always get it back into um, remission without um, having to be in the hospital. So people live a normal life, and I live a normal life now. I mean, normal for me, the new normal. normal and I expect to live, you know, a normal expectancy. Now, you've had some serious consequences <laughs> yes. to this disease. Let's talk a little bit about those. Okay. Um, so, like I said, I had a total colectomy in 2007. I don't know, but that's just the that's large the intestine. The whole large intestine gone. Take out your colon. Right? Take okay. out the colon. They just 
pulled it right out. Um, and I, at the I'm time, assuming they replaced it with something. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so they replaced it with um, we call a J pouch, and what they do is take the bottom of your small intestine, pull it down, and form it into a J, and they connect that to your rectum inside of you. Fascinating. It's very fascinating. Medicine is completely amazing. So cool. It's very cool. And <laughs> and while that was healing, so in the inside, because they want to give you the best chance for having a successful J pouch, I had um, a temporary ileostomy. And an ileostomy is when they pull a piece of your small intestine through your abdominal abdominal wall and um, you wear an external piece Col- of hardware and it's a, like a colostomy, a colostomy bag. bag. Okay. And so your stool empties into this bag that you empty and clean and change and you know there's difficulties with that but that is in place for people to be able to live a life outside of the bathroom and without severe pain and also to heal when you had surgery so this disease is not currently affecting your small intestine well it is now for me so Uh, it's moving for me yes Mm. um like i said originally um because i only had disease in my colon we thought it was ulcerative colitis and once I had the J pouch surgery, you know, I had my temporary ileostomy for four months. They were able to reverse that and essentially push the small intestine little piece back in what we call a stoma. And then I started going to the bathroom normally, which, you know, my J pouch was in effect. So my small intestine was connected to this new little uh, J pouch that they had. And then I would just empty like everybody else. Okay. Um, and I had some problems after that. You did? Yes. Yeah. Um, and now what I have is called a continent ostomy. It's a K pouch. Um, so I also I have a stoma again, which is, a, again, a little piece of my small intestine is poking through my abdomen. Okay. But instead of wearing the bag, the colostomy bag, I stick a catheter tube inside of my stoma, and that's how I empty my stool. So it just waits there until you're ready. It waits until I'm ready. Okay. All right. Now, fascinating, because I've never even heard of that. So um, what were the symptoms? This had to have been hugely devastating to you to have gone through those surgeries and and then to experience symptoms again it's almost like it's just moving yeah it was um what was the first set of symptoms that you came up with you know for me I had pretty much continuation of symptoms and a lot of people when you have ulcerative colitis and you have to get to the point of making the decision or having the decision made for you that you need to have a colectomy and a j pouch um, for a lot of people, that ends their disease process. Um, you know, they're still always going to have some sort of chronic conditions. But for most people, 95%, I think, is maybe, I don't know the statistic, 92, I think, percent of people with J pouches go on and never have another symptom of ulcerative colitis. For me, my symptoms just kept continuing. Part of that was um, some surgical error that I had, but also that my body just never, ever stopped being inflamed. So once I got through... Having my my K pouch, um, I ended up starting to get abscesses, which is an infection, a pocket of fluid inside that was draining out of my stoma. I had to have another resection, and that's when we realized that these weren't just surgical complications, that it was actually that. These were systemic complications. Okay, so were you on any special diet to prevent anything, or did you kind of go, woo-ha, I'm free now, and then try to live it up like the rest of us do on a regular basis? Um, at a certain point, and this is with the J-Pouch, you kind of, with the, you're, you're relearning to eat, so it's kind of like a baby. So in the beginning, no, you still keep things pretty easy. You know, I really was just dying for a salad, and nobody could ever understand why. I just wanted a salad so bad, but lettuce is so fibrous that you I, avoided did, I avoided lettuce for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was still very careful about what I ate, just because I wanted 
things to be successful and mm-hmm. I wanted to do my part, but you know, I still lived it up. If I wanted a hamburger, I ate a hamburger. I mean, I I think a lot of people with IBD will tell you, you know, you know what your body's gonna do most of the time. We know our bodies better than anyone and sometimes having a night in the bathroom is worth having that piece of pizza. Maybe. Those are kind of yeah. decisions you Just make. Just so you can feel normal. Yes. Um, have there been any social consequences for you as a result of this? Do you, um, I, you probably don't go out to cocktail hour every night because of this. I mean, it was alcohol even allowed with this condition? Uh, yes, people, it does aggravate some people. Thankfully, I wasn't a big drinker anyway, so that mm-hmm. wasn't something that I um, really missed. Um, but it can aggravate. But it can yeah. aggravate it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people do avoid it because it does just aggravate your intestines. And thankfully for me, I have a wonderful husband and he has, we were dating when I was diagnosed and he has been very supportive of me, but my energy level, I used to be able to do so many things. I would, I was that burn the candle at both ends kind of girl. And this is really, really in a good way and in a very hard way sometimes forced me to rest, know my limitations. Um, Because of my arthritis, I can't walk very far. And and those things are hard for me to deal with, especially now with a young son um, who I want to keep up with and be the best mommy I can be for him. Yes, yes. And you, um, you have a beautiful child. Do you want to tell us about that a little bit? Yes. The hopeful side. uh, It is wonderful and hopeful. Uh, My husband and I adopted our son, um, Henry. He'll be one next month. And, you know, because of my specific case, and this is not specific to um, other IBD patients, because many people with IBD are able to carry a successful pregnancy, but because of all the complications I've had in my surgeries, it was impossible for me to safely carry a baby on right. my own. Right. But things happen for a reason, and that reason is because we were meant to be Henry's parents, and he was meant to be with us, and we have been blessed beyond our wild streams with the greatest, greatest gift of a son who is just our moon and stars and he has a wonderful birth family and we've gotten to experience this whole thing that we never ever would have gotten to have had I not been sick. That's just beautiful. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the commercials that we're seeing on television. I'm fascinated by them. Um, Everybody's motivating everybody in the on the on the air and and uh, and on television to focus on your colon health or your intestinal health. What is that all about? Well, I think like Sabrina was talking about earlier that it's just people talk about it more. It's not as taboo to talk about your colon anymore. I mean, people actually know what that is where, you know, 20 years ago, maybe they didn't. I think the commercials are great. Yeah, sometimes they're a little cheesy, but I think that... Are there there legitimate claims being made about their products being useful? As far as I know, for some people, I mean, I think that the colon health for people with IBD different for the normal quote-unquote person I think that those are good important things to be doing to from my perspective you're not going to catch IBD you're not going to do something that gives you IBD yes there are environmental factors are they sure about that though I mean because it's a little suspicious when you sit and talk about how many cases are um, you see that are growing is that true do they not think that I mean there's some some evidence that, you know, with diabetes, that there's an initial event that's causing it. Um, is there any is there any news in that regard do we know of? Any research we can point folks well, to? Well, I mean, like diabetes, you know, like multiple sclerosis, you know, these other autoimmune diseases, um, what they believe with IBD at this point is that it is genetic so it does run in families 
Um, and that that goes for both Crohn's and colitis. So just because, for instance, my mother and my brother have ulcerative colitis doesn't mean that, um, you know, if anybody in my family um, in the next generations um, has this trigger that sets it off and it becomes IBD, it doesn't mean that it will be ulcerative colitis. It could be Crohn's or colitis. Um, so it doesn't stick to just the one in, in each family. So I think that, you know, we didn't know at the time that these diseases existed, you know, much, you know, much to my mother's um, dismay. And I think other people who were diagnosed, say, in the 60s and 70s, uh, really the only thing that was prescribed was, um, you know, either A, you're having a, a tummy ache, um, you know, so just we'll just treat it like a tummy ache or B, um, you know, if they were figuring out that it was um, some sort of digestive disorder, inflammation, what have you, they just prescribed steroids. They prescribed um, something called prednisone. So um, that caused a lot of problems because, you know, people on steroids for an extended period of time, because that's the pretty much the only medication that's being offered to you, that takes a real toll on the body. So, um, it really does. so in other words, it's a, it's a combination at this point, what they feel is that it's a combination between, um, a genetic dis predisposition, basically it's, it's in your family history. And then there is some sort of environmental trigger that brings it out. And that environmental trigger is not only different for every IBD patient, but it's not known what all of them are. Right. So that's why we're researching and continuing to research and fund um, these scholars who are who are kind of breaking new ground. And that right there, what you just said, is probably the most critical reason that a foundation comes into existence is so that they right. can be a, a, a clearinghouse really for sharing information for people. Because medical science has a tough time with this one. They they don't necessarily want to listen to anecdotal stories. They want, you know, the science right. to bear out. But really, sometimes the science follows the hunches. Yeah. And all of you get in a room together and you share a bunch of hunches and then somebody's got to pay some attention at some point to the anomalies that they didn't they didn't think of before right. and um so i mean i get i have to ask you allison probably finding a foundation like crohn's colitis foundation was huge for you how how long did you travel down your journey before you came across uh the foundation well i was one of those people that was diagnosed and thought nobody needs to know i have this disease you know you can't tell from the outside i don't need support you know outside of what i'm doing and um so that went along for five or six years. Then oh, I, in 2007, I had started having my surgeries. And then in 2008, I realized, you know what? This is forever. And I can't I do have, it alone. I can't do it alone. I have wonderful family support. But I need some people who get it from my perspective. And I just need to be also involved for my own pay it forward type ways. I, I didn't want anyone to ever feel like they needed to be alone. And so I found CCFA, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. And I started attending a support group. And it has been a wonderful, not only experience for me in terms of meeting other people and talking through disease processes, but I've met and have now some dear friendships that I would not have had I not gotten involved with this foundation. So, yeah. So I bet you probably would share some advice with any listeners that if they were needing to seek some help or for anything, whether it, they're listening yeah. in on about this particular disease or anything, that really seeking that place where you have some common experience is probably pretty important, right? Very important. Uh, You're not alone. 
And um, well, what do you what do you hope people will take away from hearing this story that you have? Do you have any other hopes for them? I hope people won't be so taboo about talking about oh, I have an ileostomy, or oh, I know a friend who has Crohn's or colitis, or you know what, I've been experiencing blood in my stool for months, but I just keep writing it off because it really can't be that big of a deal, or I'm embarrassed to talk to my doctor. Right. I hope that if you hear this, that you're thinking, you know what, it's okay, these aren't, this isn't something bad that, you know, you shouldn't be talking about, and you know, you, you deserve to feel well, and you don't have to do it in silence. I have to say, one of my favorite um, childhood books that I made certain my, my husband's a retired physician so we talk a lot about you know health related things very candidly in our home but I understand that that's not typical so one of the favorite books that we had was everyone eats everyone poops they probably need the foundation probably needs to write a version for <laughs> everyone eats and everyone poops that and sometimes that really that's hurts right. yes right. <laughs> that would be amazing I think even a kid's book or something like that would just be awesome. something yeah does this affect a lot of children how specifically does the foundation help you know the the younger members um Yes, as I said, you know, more and more children are being being diagnosed. Um, I know that here in Orange County, I mean, we have um, a process where children can apply for a camp that happens every summer in July, and it's called Camp Oasis. It is a week-long camp. It's free to the um, children who attend. And it, it is an application process, so obviously we don't have space for every child, but we do have the ability to, um, you know, kind of over the course of time that they apply. So, for instance, they can start applying, I believe, six years old up to, you know, they can become a, a counselor, a leader in training, et cetera, as they get into their teen years. Um, but we have the ability to kind of, you know, make sure that if someone didn't get in last year, they were waitlisted last year, you know, let's try to get them a prime position this year. So that's a really wonderful camp because it's 24 hour care. And by care, I mean, um, you know, not only medical care, but, um, emotional and they have, um, counselors there as well. So, because it is, um, you know, definitely there's an emotional, component to this disease, I think the support groups are a key element that CCFA provides in uh, dealing with that. Uh, I wish we had a specific group for children to talk about their disease and get support, but you know, the reality is that not a lot of children are prepared or understand enough about it to talk about it, nor sure. would they feel comfortable. Um, so so maybe we, that camp is the best place the for them camp, to start processing right. this. And we also have something called the Youth Club. That's an opportunity where we have activities throughout the year where the children can get together and bond with other children who have it. Um, and so, for instance, our, our next one is going to be at um, Anaheim Ice. So they'll get to go ice skating and they don't have to focus on the fact that they have this disease, but they will know that the other children there do have it so they'll feel comfortable right now the foundation could probably benefit from some community support in these areas especially so if anybody's interested in maybe supporting like a camp oasis sponsorship or youth club night out um do you have any way that people can get a hold of you for that absolutely and um, well first of all they can always go to the main ccfa website and search for their nearest chapter but Honestly, because we are a part of the Los Angeles Orange County chapter, um, if you search on the ccfa.org website, just your um, 
your zip code in Orange County, unless you put your radius at like 50 miles, um, it won't necessarily come up that there is a chapter here uh, since we are part of the LA chapter that's based in Los Angeles. However, we are here. Um, as people find out, they say, you know, I didn't know all this was going on with Crohn's and colitis here in Orange County, but we do right. have a, um, you know, I am the Huge only staff person. person. We have a ton of volunteers. Like Allison is a wonderful volunteer. Um, so they can go on ccfa.org forward slash chapters forward slash Los Angeles. So again, that's ccfa.org forward slash chapters forward slash Los Angeles. Or they can call or email me. Um, my email's sirsay, S-I-R-S-A-Y at ccfa.org. Um, and my phone is 646-942-3888. And, um, you know, those are some ways that they can reach Orange County directly um, and find out what's going on, how they can help support. Um, obviously, at our programs, like our golf tournament, our bocce tournament, the Take Steps Walk, there are ways that they can donate to fund needs like Camp Oasis. Um, but, you know, primarily the funds that we raise through our special events go to research. Okay. So is that the primary goal of the foundation? Yes. Or to do you fund have research. Like our, to our mission is literally to cure Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis and to improve the quality of life of children and adults that have the diseases. So our main goal is to fund research and cure these diseases. Okay, so now on, on the hunch of the career or the, the cure of the disease, uh, something interesting came in the news today that we wanted to talk about, um, especially being here on a college campus. You guys will love this. <laughs> um, smoking marijuana causes complete remission of Crohn's disease. No side effects. New studies show. Wow. Oh. Oh, it it's just looks like it. cure. It's a miracle <laughs> cure, and and just in case you you uh, think you might have it, even if you don't have a diagnosis, you might just try to cure it. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, let's talk about that. Has has anybody ever suggested to you, Allison, that you try this modality? Oh yes, and I um, have some other IBD friends who do partake for medical purposes. They're not cured, but they do in and fine for them. That, they're finding some relief in terms of their nausea and their pain and and symptoms. And many people have suggested it for me. I've not gone there myself, but I do know a number of people who, who do. But again, not for a cure. They still are in a flare or experiencing symptoms. It just is something that can help with their symptoms. Well, it makes me wonder, and has there ever been a link? You know, this is one of the wonderful side effects of marijuana, I suppose, is that if you are a, a, um, a nervous or maybe more stressed out individual, um, this could help you with that. Is there any link to stress and and anxiety to um, people that have this disease? Is there a higher degree of anxiety disorders with people with Crohn's disease? Yeah, but it's one of those chicken or the egg things. You know, uh, same with the food that stress and anxiety can exacerbate your disease. They're not causing your disease. Now, like Sabrina was saying, these diseases are not just physical. The physical side is very intense at times. But they're also emotional and that can cause anxiety on its own. So it is a delicate balance of trying to manage that so that your symptoms don't get worse. But again, I, I my biggest thing is I don't want people to think that, oh, you're a stressed out type A person, so you caused this, you're, you didn't cause this 
other overarching environmental things may have caused it, but not something you did because you were a stress case. You were a stress case, yeah. I think that's fair. You don't ever want to, you know, blame the victim, and that's kind of a tricky thing that happens a lot in yes. society today if if we're not careful. Um, well, back to foundation-related issues. If, if somebody wants to contribute other than financially, can people get? What would be some of the the ways that you would want people to get involved with your organization? Sure. Uh, well, local patients, uh, we actually have a program called CCFA Partners, and nationally we're aiming to sign up about 10,000 patients just to have them check in, let us know what uh, are some factors in their disease, um, you know, what are Share their symptoms, maybe. What so are their symptoms, or exactly, so that we can g- help researchers do their job better. I mean, just really make. Um, more swift advances. Um, so as you were saying, sometimes healthcare professionals um, need to hear from the patients themselves that these are things that they are experiencing across the board. I mean, if you get enough thousands of people saying, you know, this is something that affects my disease, you know, this is something that I experience as a side effect of my disease. Um, you know, maybe healthcare professionals and researchers will start to listen, hey, that's, um, seems to be a trend among, among the population. Maybe we should look into that and how we can treat that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Have you had any powerful insights by talking to others, Allison, for things that you've then implemented and used to a positive effect? Oh, absolutely. I think it's even hard to pinpoint down, I mean, to some things when I had a traditional ileostomy or colostomy bag. When you're changing your bag, sometimes your stoma stays active, so that becomes messy in the bathroom. And someone suggested, oh, try to eat a few marshmallows before. You know, things like That's that. That's fascinating. Do I they mean, tell you to swallow it whole? <laughs> yeah, just chew it on up. I mean, it's things as kind of funny or silly as that that actually do work, or the just the connection of wow, this really worked for me or empowering people to talk to their doctor because of an experience I've had or vice versa and saying, oh, wait, I I can bring that up or wait a second, you're right, I don't need to take that or I can be my own advocate. I mean, I think for me, the deepest part is that people become empowered about their disease. This is something we're sure. going to have forever and taking it back and not letting it own you and realizing this is your body. You get to decide. You don't have to just take what someone else tells you, you know, work together. And if you don't have the right connection with your doctor, find another one. Right, right. Um, you talked about the um, the CCF partners, but I like the one that says download a GI buddy. Can you tell me about that one, Alice? I mean, uh, Sabrina? Uh, sure. Um, actually, we... You've got a lot of different um, ways listeners can help spread absolutely. the word. Um, CCFA developed an app. So as people say, there's an app for that. There is an app for uh, for your GI issues. So it's called GI Buddy. Again, it was developed by CCFA. If you go on iTunes, you can download that onto your phone. Uh, you can also use it online. Um, but I know that it's winning awards. It's a wonderful app. And um, basically what you do is track your disease, your symptoms, you know, what I ate today, how it made me feel. You know, I did take my medicine consistently or I didn't this day and this is what happened or I saw my doctor and, you know, just kind of tracking everything so that maybe you can sort of start to map out a picture of your particular disease. Um, Another thing. That's fascinating. It's a great program. I love that. You have your own app. Absolutely. And then um, another thing that acts as kind of a buddy is we have something called the Power of Two program where you can volunteer if you are a patient 
um, to be a, a, a listener, basically, a support system to somebody who's going through a rough time with IBD. And vice versa, if you need support, you can say, hey, I'm raising my hand. I need somebody to support me. Uh, and then another patient would be matched up with you. So that's Power of Two program. Um, walk with your doc. So that's uh, basically inviting your doctor to have a team at the Take Steps Walk at, for Crohn's and Colitis, which happens in the spring. And um, through that, kind of connecting with other patients who see your doctor. Um, you can also join our board. Um, we're always looking for uh, corporate people and, you know, just people who have a disease connection uh, to join the board and help further the mission. Um, we have a PSA campaign that just also won a, an award for Best PSA. Um, it is featuring actress Amy Brenneman from Judging Amy, and it's called EscapeTheStall.com. So if you go to the website, www.escapethestall.com and that's S-T-A-L-L of course like the bathroom stall um, you can see Very the little 30 second PSA and learn more about that program um, we also have a Facebook page um, it's my name Sabrina Ursay CCFA um, or our Take Steps Orange County page and then of course the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America has a page and then there's a Take Steps sort of national page um, Take Steps is your walk, correct? Take Steps is our signature walk program. In our, uh, we just had our sixth year, and it's actually an evening um, here locally in Orange County. It's on a Sunday kind of afternoon evening from 4 to 7. So it's a little different from a lot of walks that are, um, you know, crack of dawn. And it's about two and a half to three miles. And as Allison said, you know, a lot of patients have some issues um, walking a far, far distance. So it is very much a challenge to walk three miles and they should be very proud of that um so that's a great program and then uh finally um our icon program so this is uh, retail outlets stores restaurants whoever wants to participate um they can have people round up their donations or they can sell paper icons as they're called and people can put them up on the wall at their business saying, I supported IBD, I supported CCFA. Very um, nice. And we actually have a, that program in place right now through um, through the summer with Bridgestone Firestone Tires, where you can round up your purchase there. Very cool. Okay, so big news about the bocce tournament. I want to talk about that because this looks like a really swanky event. And this is what you're, what you're really coming on to let us know about today, because this is a fun way for people to participate. Yes. I love bocce, but Il Fornaio restaurant has some really shishi bocce courts over there. And what a wonderful way to spend an afternoon and early evening in the summer. So uh, tell us about your live jazz and all the things that are going on during your bocce tournament. Sure. Um, well, first of all, the date is Friday, August 23rd. And it starts at 4 p.m. and goes till 8 p.m. at Il Fornaio in Irvine. And uh, this event, it does take place, as you said, on those beautiful bocce courts. It's a very lively event. It's a fun event. It's a great opportunity for executives and people who work at the corporations um, in Orange County to compete, show off their skills outside the boardroom. If you don't know what bocce is, I think the best way to describe it is it's kind of like Italian lawn bowling. bowling, Um, There's a ball uh, called a polino that you bowl down the court. Um, There will be coaching on site, uh, so you can definitely get a little bit of help if you've never played before. And it's just a great chance to um, network. We give away a, a trophy. It's kind of like a Stanley Cup style trophy that gets passed around to the teams from year to year. 
And they will have an Angels, Anaheim Angels All-Star team competing as well. Very fun. Um, and there will be some side games. So you can come as a guest and just watch and compete in some of those games like ladder golf and things like that. Or you can compete as a foursome or an individual on a team. Very cool. Okay, so you have some important sponsors. I like to mention the sponsors because really nothing gets done without financial support. And um, you have Orange County Business Journal has been a huge supporter of mine, so I always love to give them a shout out. They help me find a lot of guests here in Orange County. And a um, big supporter of Orange County Business Journal events is the um, is uh, Betty Uribe over there at California Bank and Trust. They are they are big supporters too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the live jazz it's being sur- it's being supplied to you by a foundation. I want to hear about the Smart Foundation. Tell me a little bit sure. about them. Uh, this smart, is a fun connection. Yes. Um, we have many wonderful board members, of which Allison Miller here with me today is one, and also Carol Fox, uh, who was the um, person who came up with this tournament from Orange County Business Journal, is another. And then our th- uh, a third one that's involved is Alex Angulo. He is a lawyer with Rutan and Tucker, and he is also an, an executive who performs on this jazz group called the Smart Foundation. He is a part of the um, great work that the Smart Foundation is doing as well as CCFA, and they actually supply musical instruments to children in school um, just to help them. You know, they, I think, believe it's a rental program, so they do some music education. Um, they supply the musical instruments to children. It's just a great um, great foundation, and, and that um, jazz group goes around and performs. It's all executives, local executives. Um, so they're doing good work in, in both areas. Especially um, if they're figuring out a way to supply musical instruments to right. school on a, I think it's on a loaner basis, right? They, they so, have a yes. lend, loaning, like a lending, lo- lending program, program for students that want to play. Huge. They work in the Orange County area. I think that's amazing. That's wonderful. Uh, there's a couple more I'm noticing on your list that we know and love here at KUCI. Michael Katz and uh, Melissa Yoon, they were on my show uh, six months ago, I think, here at Real People OC. So it's nice to see that they're supporting you as well. Yes. Really nice. A couple more you want to mention? Maybe MBK Homes and sure. um, Union Bank? MBK Homes, uh, they, are, they do uh, housing for the next generation, essentially. So they... Um, are developers of um, homes and I believe condominiums for um, sort of the next generation of executives, people who are purchasing uh, real estate here in Orange County. So I definitely would check MBK Homes out. That sounds um, interesting. Wells Fargo is a wonderful supporter of ours, um, Paul Amara. Um, and so I think that, you know, we definitely have some tremendous supporters involved as well as Il Fornio. I mean, supplying the amazing food and wine and cocktails, uh, for a four hour event, um, plus the space. I just, I really commend them for getting involved in that way with a charity. What can people expect when they attend? Are, is there an entrance fee to, to join the event? How does that work? Yes. Um, a foursome is $1,100. Okay. Um, and um, a large portion of that, because we are very fiscally responsible here at CCFA, goes directly to the research and our mission. Uh, it's actually over 82 cents of every dollar that's given to CCFA supports our mission directly. That's um, significant. So we're a very lean organization. Um, and then if you want to compete as an individual and we'll place you on a team, uh, that cost is $325. 
And then if you wanted to attend as a guest and enjoy some cocktails, the music, et cetera, um, that costs $110. So there are different ways to get involved. Of course, you could sponsor also if you wanted to and uh, receive even more benefits. But um, it's, a, it's just a great, fun Friday afternoon event. It sounds wonderful. Is this, how many years has this been going on? This is actually its second year. Second and it's year. growing every year. So um, I really hope that we have enough slots um, to accommodate all the teams. But definitely, I would get in there. I mean, think of what most companies spend on a golf foursome. Um, you know, it's quite pricey. And this is a chance to go in your own backyard right here in Irvine among all the, the office buildings there at Il Fernayo and be in a beautiful setting and, and do it for $1,100 for a foursome. Very a nice, deal. very nice. Okay, so you said this was Carol Fox's idea, the bocce yes. tournament? Okay. She's the committee chair, so she is. she's in charge She was of supposed this. to be here with us today, but Carol is on the road somewhere. Maybe she's within earshot of KUCI. I don't know, but um, so. but wonderful idea from you, Carol. That's wonderful. And tell me a little bit quickly about how they go purchase tickets. They go online? Where do you yes, want people to go? Yes, they go online. The website is... Uh, literally online, the word online, dot ccfa.org forward slash bocce, and that's spelled B-O-C-C-E. So um, there's no www in front, it's just online.ccfa.org forward slash bocce, or of course they can call me, which again is 646-942-3888. Okay, now if somebody cannot attend the event, but wants to support. You have a couple ideas down here. Sure. Um, Tell us about those. They can, obviously, um, I talked about the Bridgestone Tire dealers uh, through the month of August. If you visit any Bridgestone Tires in Orange County, uh, that will, any purchase that you round up at their facility will go directly to supporting CCFA and our Take Steps Walk and Bocce Tournament. You can also host a raptor, host another wraparound event. So, for instance, this started as a wraparound event idea where somebody was um, wanting to support, but kind of in their own way. So if you have a unique thing that you're interested in doing, um, let's say you like to play bunko or poker or, you know, you want to host a movie night, you know, whatever it is, you can still support it, um, support CCFA with your wraparound event and, you know, we'll, we'll help you with that. So there are definitely other ways to get involved. Okay, well, we're winding down on our time, and I want to give you both uh, some time to close out some of your thoughts. Sabrina, why don't you start? Well, I just, I really hope that people understand that there is an entire community of people here in Orange County that are available to help them through this disease. Um, I know with Carol, for instance, her son, um, Chris, he had a really rough time with his disease and she just felt at that time like there was nowhere to turn and that's why she really helped um, and also Debbie Margolis, our board president, they they really helped get CCFA in Orange County off the ground. Um, we also have a doctor, Dr. Donald Abram at Hogue who helped and, and many other wonderful volunteers. Um, so I just want people to know that we're here in Orange County. They don't have to drive all the way to UCLA for to receive good care or to get support. They don't have to go all the way down to San Diego. We're right here in Orange County. And, and they can call can you help. and be right. redirected to some, I, some service providers absolutely. here as well. Absolutely. Okay, good. All right, so final words from you, Allison. I'd just like to echo what Sabrina said, is that as a patient myself, it's sometimes a very daunting process to live with a chronic illness forever. And... 
do trying to do it alone it makes it even harder and there are wonderful resources the support groups all throughout orange county and i think that that is really important in managing your disease process and i appreciate being able to share that and again my main goal is to make sure people just do not feel alone you don't have to be alone in this forever for you Um, okay wonderful well i certainly appreciate the two of you ladies coming here today and i encourage you you out there in orange county to get involved and maybe maybe go play a little bocce exactly (laughs) all right thank you for being in the studio today up next is counterspin and then after that is matt kaplan with planetary radio so we'll welcome matt into the studio here in just a second we'll be right back with you